Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Thursday, June 16th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Here are the stories we're working on for you today. D.C. is taking a dramatic legal step to get a grocery store into one of the city's food deserts. We speak with the city's deputy mayor for economic development about the mayor's move and what it'll mean for the neighborhood that doesn't have any fresh food options. When you look at food access in Ward 7 and 8, about 85% of residents uh, aren't within walking distance or one mile of a grocery store. And we talked to an organization on the ground about the reality of rising hunger in our area. When you don't have access to healthy food on a regular basis, you're going to see the health disparities. And cross your fingers, this evening FIFA will announce whether D.C. and Baltimore are one of the winning bids to host the 2026 Men's World Cup. WTOP's Dave Johnson tells us about what our region proposed and what it would mean for our area to get an international event of this scale. What can Washington or Baltimore expect if you get it? It's an economic boom. How do you like the world to show up on your doorstep? Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. As prices go up, food gets more expensive. Many of us are searching for the best deals on food, but in some areas of our community, there are no full-service grocery stores at all. It's called food deserts, and D.C. is on a mission to change that. The district is announcing it's taking the legal step of eminent domain to bring a giant food to a part of Ward 7, which is essentially a food desert. Joining us now is Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, John Filcecchio. John, thanks for being here on Zoom. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Just to start, can you tell us where this new giant is going to be built and why its location is so important? So this uh, location is actually on East Capitol Street. If you go all the way out uh, East Capitol Street from, uh, I passed by RFK Stadium uh, yesterday when I was going out to the site. uh, And it's really right before uh, DC turns into Maryland. And so why is this location so important? You know, we mentioned food deserts, there's the term food swamps, but locations that really don't have a ton of full service grocery stores. Why is this location important? Yeah, so Mayor Bowser actually set out on a mission to uh, make sure that we're addressing food deserts. Uh, When you look at food access in Ward 7 and 8, about 85% of residents uh, aren't within walking distance or one mile of a grocery store. So what we want to do is use our new tool that Mayor Bowser created, the Food Access Fund, as well as another tool called Nourish DC, to actually really attack the problem and to create food access points or simply put, grocery stores uh, in more parts of Ward 7 and 8. Mm. And Mayor Bowser, you know, used eminent domain here to bring this new giant food to Ward 7. So eminent domain is not an easy process. It has to go through D.C. Council and get approved by the courts. So can you first explain, you know, what eminent domain is to our listeners and then also explain why the mayor went through such lengths to use it to get this location? Yeah, so eminent domain is a process by which the District of Columbia government or really any state or city government has the ability to uh, buy a land for a public good, uh, but they do it uh, really without the ability of the property owner to say no. 
So in movie terms, it's an offer that can't be refused. Hmm. Uh, so what we've done is we've actually gone to the council. We asked for the authorization to do this. And uh, the reason that's important is because you want all stakeholders to have input on that process. Uh, and we wanted to make sure that the record was clear that there is a public good in us acquiring this particular site. So Mayor Bowser made it clear. She said it yesterday when we were literally standing on the site. Eminent domain is not something she takes lightly because you're taking a property from a property owner. But it was so important that we advance a grocery store at this site. Uh, it was the fastest route to do it. Um, and the Giant is obviously part of a broader plan to increase food access in D.C., specifically, as you mentioned, in Ward 7 and 8. Um, there's the Good Food Markets in Bellevue, construction's underway in Skyland, Fort Davis and Kenilworth for new gro- grocery stores. Can you tell us about this bigger plan and how close D.C. is to really, you know, achieving this goal of providing these access points? Yeah, so uh, Skyland is actually a good example of another grocer uh, that is coming to D.C. Uh, we're really excited. They're going to open uh, before the end of the year. Uh, but one that uh, might not get as much attention as that uh, Lidl at Skyland uh, is Good Foods Market, uh, which is on South Capitol Street. And that really is a great example of a store that uh, is about 3,000 square feet. It's not a huge store, but it has so many options and it has fresh produce uh, in a neighborhood that didn't have access to a grocery store. So by setting up markets like Good Foods Markets on South Capitol Street, uh, Mookie's Market in Fort Davis, and then uh, Fresh Food Factory uh, in Kenilworth, really what you need is about three or 4,000 square feet is the minimum you need to uh, really deliver a lot of options. Mm. Uh, and when you do that, you're putting it in within the walking distance of uh, residents. And that's what's so important. And John, you know, DC Hunger Solutions, they sent out a report in 2021 that said, you know, since 2010, there's actually been kind of a rollback in access points in D.C. So why should D.C. residents be sure that, you know, this plan is going to actually work and stick this time? Well, this is where uh, we're really leaning in uh, for the first time to make sure that the district government is intentional. Uh, so I know you've heard Mayor Bowser say that uh, uh, items like the American Rescue Plan give us a once in a generation opportunity to really invest in our communities. And that's where this funding comes from. American Rescue Plan dollars that are invested into the community uh, to do something that we otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Uh, so we're committed to this and we're doing it in ways big and small and maybe even ways that are giant. I see what you did there, John. I see what you did there. Um, what's the next step in this specific giant um, acquisition? I mean, when would we actually see a grocery store there? Yeah, so what we have to do is uh, we have to file the imminent domain proceeding. Uh, that's happening imminently. Uh, we also uh, have a letter of intent with Giant, uh, but we need to finalize the negotiations with Giant. Uh, so really, our uh, focus right now is making sure that we get the imminent domain filed, uh, and then we present our plan to the council uh, for that site so that Giant can begin uh, really as soon as uh, uh, the council completes this process, mm-hmm. the design is finished, uh, and really uh, just full steam ahead from there. Amazing. John Falcecchio, Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development for D.C. We really appreciate your time. Thanks. All right. We now turn to those on the ground in the district fighting food insecurity. D.C. Hunger Solutions is a nonprofit that works to end hunger in the nation's capital and connect residents to nutritious foods. Director of the organization, Beverly Wheeler, joins us now. Beverly, thank you for making the time. Thank you. So in your latest grocery report in 2021, D.C. Hunger Solutions found that the grocery store gap between high-income and low-income neighborhoods has actually grown since 2010. So to start off, can you tell us about this increase and why it's happening? 
So one of the reasons is that the income disparities have grown over the last 12 years and the pandemic only exacerbated and laid bare the disparities that we already knew about. Mm. Another reason is that for large grocery chains, income and education are still some of the key metrics that they use for locating their stores. So until that changes, we're not going to see a lot of grocery stores moving into the underserved neighborhoods that we're concerned about. And what does that gap really mean for those residents who are living, you know, in those areas without accessibility to food? That means that they don't get it. Now, we don't use the term food deserts, but we have to recognize that a lot of people have to go a long way to be able to get to a major grocery store. But there are smaller grocery stores. That's why we're so excited about the DC initiatives that are put in place because they're multifaceted in how they address healthy food access for these communities. And can you talk about, we just spoke with uh, the Deputy Mayor for Public Safety, John Felcecchio, about the new giant that's hopefully coming in via eminent domain. But can you talk about, you know, the health uh, disparities that this really creates? It's a ripple effect. It's not just, you know, oh, I can't walk to my grocery store that I need to get to. It then changes the decisions you make when you're buying food and it changes your health and then it changes your family's health. I mean, there's more to it here than just where you go grocery shopping, correct? Absolutely. When you don't have access to healthy food on a regular basis, you're going to see the health disparities. You're going to see more diabetes, more um, high blood pressure. You're going to see a lot of those those health issues. Also, if you happen to be a single parent working two jobs, you don't have the luxury of trying to get two buses and maybe an Uber or a Lyft to take you to a grocery store because you've got to get between your two jobs. Mm -hmm. Childcare, all of those things are really important issues. And for us, we also saw in some of our reporting that the life expectancy in many of these neighborhoods is a lot less. Mm. So, and you can just look at income, education, all of those things, and the number of grocery stores. Now, there's been a concerted effort within the D.C. government to, you know, address this problem. So, you know, as your organization is a data-driven and research-driven place, what assessments do you make on the actions of the D.C. government? Are they doing a good job? Is their work actually helping people? We're really excited. When we actually accepted the fact of the business model for larger grocery stores, we decided that maybe we need to support smaller footprint grocery stores. So the kinds of programs that we have have helped us do that. There are a lot of different stores, even Lytle, that are moving in because we've decided we need to figure out another model. So you initially the fight was, can we get these giant stores to change where they're, you know, where they'll go in? And now it's like, OK, maybe that's not the fight. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. When we first did our first study in 2010, we said, oh, great. What we'll do is we'll give you tax incentives to have you move in. We did the study five years later and we were losing grocery stores. Mm. So we actually asked, we said, uh, why aren't you moving into these neighborhoods? And that's when they told us, 
education, and income. Thank you very much for the incentive, but we're still not coming. Is that just because so, they, don't, they assume that people aren't going to spend as much money? Exactly. That seems like a very simplistic you know, question to you, but I, I didn't realize that that's how grocery stores chose where they were going to go in. It, it's a business model. Makes it's sense. a marketing plan, a business model, and you can't fault them for that. And so now the solution is to make smaller footprint stores to increase the profit margin? Is that is that what I'm hearing? Well, the smaller footprint stores, they're easier for people to start. We can also get, this is also about economic development in these underserved neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So a smaller footprint store may in fact employ more residents in the neighborhood. They're more spread out. So there's more opportunity to do that. Um, When we work with the healthy corner stores, there's more opportunity to get fresh fruits and vegetables in there when we're using these programs. Um, I want to talk about just where we are as a society, because we all know the cost of food is rapidly increasing for a number of reasons. Um, and more people are going hungry than were maybe even six months ago. How is that demand playing out in our region? Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. So with DC Hunger Solutions, we look at the highest and best use of all federal nutrition programs. So we want to make sure that individuals who qualify for SNAP, are actually getting that. Families who qualify for WIC, the Women, Infants, and Children program, are also being able to do that in anything. We're number one in the nation for senior hunger. We want to make sure that we are addressing those issues as well. I think everybody's feeling the pinch right now, but there is... um... There is value in noting to our community members who are listening that, you know, there's a lot of people who are not able to just say, oh, I'm going to save a little less or I'm going to not go on that vacation and and buy these groceries instead. Um, There's a lot of hunger in our community and you see it in the, you know, the lines of cars and the lines outside of food banks. What can we do as neighbors? What can we do to help? I think one of the things we can do is we can get the word out to potential and promising entrepreneurs about the programs that the district is actually putting in place. This not only helps with economic development, but it also ensures culturally appropriate food options Mm -hmm. in the neighborhoods that we have. And on a people-to-people level, I think we get to stop and talk about Um, and acknowledge the systemic and institutional racism that got us here in the first place, redlining and housing, Um, covenants. There used to be covenants in the city where if a grocery store closed, another one couldn't open up. We've gotten rid of some of that. And we also have to acknowledge the uneven enactment of even the GI Bill, which helped build the middle class. So let's just sort of take take a beat and just acknowledge those and work toward addressing those issues. Director of DC Hunger Solutions, Beverly Wheeler, thank you for your time. Thank you for taking this up. It's really important. After the break, there's a major announcement tonight that could turn DC and Baltimore into international hosts of the world's most popular game. WTOP's Dave Johnson tells us what our chances are of winning the World Cup. If you want to save money and grow profits on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project, go with the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. You can trust the experience of its workforce. 
members who have expertise in heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and process piping to deliver work that's on time and on budget. For a partner you can trust who's mutually focused on your bottom line and to schedule, contact Steamfitters Local 602 at steamfitters-602.org. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602. Changing lives. Gas prices have been going crazy lately, but here at WTOP, we have something that might help. It's called Fuel Your Summer, and it's WTOP's free gas giveaway presented by Astound Broadband. All you have to do is go download the WTOP app, register on the My WTOP page, and enter for your chance to win $100 in gas gift cards per day and the grand prize of free gas for a year up to six grand. During the month of June, fuel up on us. Just download the WTOP app, register, and enter for your chance to win today. Fuel Your Summer is brought to you by Astound Broadband, powered by RCN. Boost your internet with a gig and experience better. Visit astound.com. So check it out as soon as you can. Tonight, D.C. and Baltimore will learn whether they'll host games during the Men's World Cup in 2026. It would be a huge deal for both cities to host the international event. FIFA's unveiling which cities will host the 2026 World Cup at 5 p.m. WTOP's Dave Johnson, who is also the voice of D.C. United, has been following this bid and is here to tell us what he thinks our chances are. Hopefully he has some kind of, you know, insider information for us. Dave, thanks for being here. Let's start with what this might look like if we do win. D.C. and Baltimore went in on this bid together, so the World Cup would essentially be held in both cities? I mean, how would well, that Well, they, they had to go into the bid together because separately, uh, neither bid would have uh, survived. Uh, Baltimore, with competition from Philadelphia and New York, uh, would um, not would not have survived. Mm. Uh, Washington, without a stadium, uh, would not have survived. So FIFA, uh, it, which is a very powerful organization, the world governing body for soccer, and U.S. soccer, uh, the governing body for soccer in this country, encouraged Baltimore-Washington bids to come together. Encouraged is another way of saying, if you still want a shot at this, you come together and, it, and it's a joint bid. So Baltimore mm. offers the stadium because FedEx is not an option for a World Cup game. Again, a World Cup is a five-star, is the biggest sporting event on the planet. Right. Uh, and Audi's too small. Uh, no, yeah. That's not even a consideration. I think sometimes really? people – No, not at all. I mean, you need to have 75, 80, 90,000 seat capacity. Again, this is <laughs> – this is an event that will have 3.6 billion viewers. Mm. Uh, for the final alone, half the planet will watch. An average World Cup soccer game, just a first-round game in 2018, worldwide audience of 200 million, which is the same as the worldwide audience of the Super Bowl. I, I, but the, that's for the Super Bowl, the, right. the big NFL game. This is just for Morocco versus right. or whoever. <laughs> wow. and, and no disrespect to that, I'm just no, saying yeah, a yeah, first the round games, game. Yeah. So uh, I think people under, need to understand the magnitude of this. The other thing that, that is so important about a World Cup, the last time we hosted a World Cup in 1994, made a profit. We are still living off that profit in this country. The U.S. Soccer Foundation was created. Now, why does that happen versus with the Olympics? With the Olympics, where most cities end up in, in terrible financial shape because the magnitude, the number of events – the, to create housing. Right, you have to build countries. everything. You have to yeah. build everything. These countries uh, that are coming here are not going to be staying in dorms. They're going to be staying in our hotels and paying for the best in hotels and paying mm-hmm. for the best whatever. And, and the stadiums are already constructed. You're not a reinventing your will. In 1994, there was not one stadium constructed for that World Cup. Huh. Existing infrastructure was used. Existing infrastructure will be used this time. Mm. So it will be, no doubt, a profitable event. So in terms of 
what can Washington or Baltimore expect if you get it? It's an economic boom. How do you like the world to show up on your doorstep? How do you like a million people? And literally, people? it'll be the world. It'll I mean, be the world. How do you like a million so people cool. uh, to participate in the Fan Fest in the National Mall? But to, to break it down simply, FIFA wants Washington, I believe, to be a part of this, the 250th anniversary of our country. And the only way that can happen is, is with the joint bid with Baltimore because Baltimore has a stadium. Washington, as I said, has the panache and the power and the, the proposal, Washington, D.C. proposal, includes a fan fest on the National Mall. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very attractive backdrop. Mm. So what are our chances? I, I believe Baltimore and Washington will be one of, I think they're going to select 10 U.S. cities. Again, this is a unique World Cup because it was awarded to the United States, Mexico, and Canada. The competition has 80 games over a month long. The, the plan is 60 of those games will go to the United States, including the final and the other 20 split 10 to Mexico, 10 to Canada. Oh, so it's not just here. It's here and a bunch of other cities. Correct. Okay. Well, no, but but that's that's uh, but that's not unlike well, like every World Cup ever. Uh, you can't. In other words, you can't have a, a competition with eighty games and only use one. I'm showing my naivete no, here no, with the uh, World no, Cup. Sorry. Uh, so so seventeen cities are still in the bidding. Uh, 17 bids, I should say, because we're actually a two-city bid, but every other city, every other bid is just one city, um, are still uh, waiting to hear. And and I think they'll pick 10 out of the 17 uh, in, in the United States, and I think Baltimore-Washington will be one of those those 10 for the, the reason I say that Baltimore has a first-class venue it can offer. Washington, uh, we, we call it the world's most powerful city, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It offers a, a backdrop like no other in the world to have a fan fest. It's it's an international city, arguably, like no other in the world. Yeah. Well, Dave Johnson, you've got my hopes high. I uh, want to know if he's news. excited. Are you excited about this? No, I mean- I'm very excited because I think people, and people should be excited. This is, you know, it's not like, well, you know, if I miss it this, this time, I'll wait for the next one to come along. Well, no, it, the last mm. one we had, and the only one we had, was was 1994. This is now 2026. Who knows in in any of our lifetimes, right? Uh, we'll ever have this chance again. We, we just don't know. I, I, you know, but but the point is, this is a period of time where, unlike in 1994, uh, we are a competitive uh, soccer nation. Uh, we are going to compete in the World Cup this year, uh, and then you know we're I think have a golden generation of players that have been a benefit of the last 30 years of professional soccer mm-hmm. in this country. And so by the time we host in 2026, you could have a perfect confluence of events mm. where not only we we one of the hosts, but we're also a serious contender for the World Cup. I because, mean, how cool would that yeah, be? That would Please. be very cool. That'd okay, Dave Johnson's going to be crossing his fingers and toes tonight when they announce this thing. Right. right. Um, and hopefully we have more to talk about tomorrow. Thanks for being here. I don't have to cross anything. I'm confident. We'll win. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I love it. Thanks. And before we go, we have to mention something in the water starts tomorrow. It's so crazy to think about that. I mean... If you don't know what that is, by the way, it's this huge. <laughs> I should load that up. <laughs> it's this huge uh, music festival. It's going to be downtown on the National Mall, and for a while, like a couple streets have been closed down because they have to build, you know, stages. They have to like all this infrastructure they're building down there, um, and it is going to be a mess in downtown DC because there's obviously there's I mean like there is every weekend there's protests <laughs> and marches, but then there's also this huge music festival. So if you have people coming into town or you're planning to go down to this thing. Do not drive. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is a major music festival. Do not drive. Um, and we were uh, really delighted to see Pharrell, who's the one who brought the music festival here to D.C. because it's been in Virginia Beach before, um, is giving free tickets to every D.C. Uh, public and charter school graduate How awesome to attend, is that? which is so cool. 
That's just cool, Pharrell. Way to be. And these these musicians that are coming to this festival are huge headliners. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, there's Dave Matthews. There's someone Anderson Pock. Okay, so I don't know. I'm not cool. What? Who's in it? You don't know who he is, or what? what I mean, I've heard his name, but I don't know what music he plays. And you are younger than me, so you probably know all about this. Anderson Pock is like he's like heavy funk R and B. He plays the drums and sings at the same time. It's like boom, boom. It's and he sings. (laughs) It's like so. I saw him um, a few years back um, at another music festival in California. And um, you may have heard of it. It's Coachella. Yes, I did go to Coachella. (laughs) And Anderson Pock was there and with his group, and it was just fantastic. I mean, such a awesome stage presence. John Falcecchio earlier, we were talking about this uh, concert, this music festival with him, and he and I kind of related on the whole, you know, older crowd (laughs) vibe. So we've had big festivals before. I don't know that we've had one of this caliber, uh, but we're really excited about it. And what we're hoping uh, is that this goes well this year and we could bring it back in years to come as well. Mm. John and I are a little older, so we want to hear the Usher and the, the like some of these <laughs> some of the artists on there. I was like, wait, who is that? So I'm looking forward to it because I want to like hear, you know, I'm, I'm 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 not hip anymore. It's official. I mean, I'm also excited. Dave Matthews Band is yeah, going to yeah, be there. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that as well. Is so there, I think there's Saturday. Saturday. Is there a way to hear it? I mean, is there a way to like stream it or anything? Or is it just you have to be there? Yeah, so actually, uh, I think it's on Amazon Music or Amazon Prime. Uh, If you go to the Something in the Water website, they actually have the ways that you could uh, experience it uh, from the comfort of your own home as well. But you were saying, too, from the business angle, a lot of local businesses are getting in on this. Like you mentioned Ben's Chili Bowl, like they're they're folding in the restaurants and stuff like that into the festival. Yeah, they're on the festival. They're literally on the festival grounds uh, on Independence Avenue. Um, And I uh, know it's not quite noon, so I shouldn't talk about beer. But uh, (laughs) City State Brewery, uh, they're going to have some of their beer down there. I know they've got a a beer dedicated to Big G of the Backyard Band. Uh, So there's so many like local tie-ins. But what's great is there's a lot of DMV all mixed in throughout the festival. And that'll do it for us today on this show. Thanks for joining us. This show is brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance, and follow us on social media where we're posting content every day from behind the scenes. You can find out more about the podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area. 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a great night, everyone.